Welcome to MND Matters, brought to you by the MND Association and sponsored by Toyota GB and Toyota Financial Services. Alongside members of the MND community, we bring stories, information and expertise direct to your ears. Remember to subscribe to ensure you don't miss an episode. My name is Emily and I support people living with and affected by MND to share their stories to help raise awareness of motor neurone disease and the work of the MND Association. It is my absolute privilege to be joined today by two incredible people. Yvonne Johnson is a mother, a wife and works for a local authority in London. She is also living with motor neurone disease after being diagnosed in May 2021 after months of having some speech difficulties. Since diagnosis, Yvonne has shared her story with the MND Association, been instrumental in the development of I Will Always Be Me, the book that banks your voice. She's worked with Google to test and inform them on one of their newest accessibility products called Relate. And she's now using her own social media channels to raise awareness of MND within her community. If you want to follow Yvonne's story on Instagram, you can find her handle at this is me not MND and there's a full stop between all of those words. Live Little is an author. In early 2021, after experiencing problems with dexterity for a couple of years, Liv's dad became one of the six people diagnosed with MND every day in the UK. He died from MND in March 2022, just over a year ago. At the time of caring for her dad, Liv put on hold her master's degree in black British writing to care for him. Liv is currently in the process of promoting her debut novel, Rosewater, which she was writing while her dad was living with MND. We are hugely grateful for your time today and hello, both of you. Hey. Hey, thank you so much for having us. And um, Yvonne, it's great to get to actually meet you. Yeah, likewise. We are going to have the opportunity to get to know Yvonne a bit more throughout this episode. But Liv, I wondered first if you would feel comfortable telling us a bit more about your dad as a person. Oh, I'm probably going to cry at some point. But um, yeah, my dad was is was a lovely human being. He he came over from Jamaica in in his 30s where he met my mum and then I was kind of born. He was a very sweet and sensitive human being, and um, he drove the London buses for like 25 or 30 years, so he knew all the streets, all the routes, and he had a really strong community of kind of like Black Caribbean bus drivers who were doing the thing and, and you know, meeting all the people and seeing the city from a different kind of um, lens. But yeah, he really always wanted to go back to Jamaica, and so that was like the kind of like driving force while he was working. Um, and he did manage to go back um, in his early kind of 50s. Um, he built his house and that was a really kind of special moment for him. But me and my dad have always been close. We've always been friends. We've always gotten on. You know, he was a very, like I said, a sweet and sensitive human being. And him and my mum maintained a like fantastic relationship, you know, even kind of not being together. So we had a, a really special kind of um, family unit and he gave me Jamaica and he, and he taught me so much. And um, really witnessing him going through what what he did and the, the depth of compassion and like gratitude and just like kindness of spirit that maintained, even as he was like facing something really challenging. I think really speaks to who he was as a person. Yvonne, you've done so much to raise awareness of MND since your diagnosis. Can you tell us a bit about what prompted that for you? I think um, being diagnosed with MND, um, 
I didn't say to an American that cautioning I'm a terrorist, but I, I don't let that put me off dealing with my, if you like, my community, my um family, my friends who are of the same um, culture as myself. Um, if you like, um, I would like to know that I, I, I am teaching them or um, making them understand what it's about. And um, culturally, um, um, my parents are from the Caribbean, Barbados. And I don't know if you have the same experience there, but we don't, we're up not to share our personal stuff out there, you know. No one needs to know, you know, keep it, you know, um, to yourself or close, in a closed circle. And I find that difficult um, dealing with my family abroad, like, if I start speaking, they were like, okay, okay, don't speak, it's okay. And I'm like, I can't, I can't speak. And only that my speech sounds different, you know, and even going into shops abroad and in, in the Caribbean, I got mistaken for being um, intoxicated, you know, um, and this was in um, a medical setting, so um, there's a lot to learn for everyone to learn. And personally, um, we need to um, make people from different backgrounds to feel comfortable talking about what they're going through, because. When I looked on the m and platform, when I was first diagnosed, and I didn't see anyone that looked like me, and, I, and that was in the time when I was like, how can I talk to about this? Apart from my family, who can make me understand about this more? Who can I relate to? And I went on the platform, and it's an amazing platform. There's lots of things going on. But I didn't see anyone looking at me. And I kind of felt a bit isolated, you know. So there's a lot to learn for everyone. But for me, I will never let Emily define me at all. I'm still me. I'm still the way I am. And nothing's going to change. I think it's a really important point that you're making around culturally the shame or the or the feelings that you that you should hide. And I think that was definitely something that my dad struggled with, and mm. that he felt like he was going to be judged. Yes. And if he go to Jamaica, he'd try and stand up, even though it was really hard. Yes. Um, because he didn't want pe- his family to see him and to judge him. Um, which is which was a really heartbreaking thing to see him go through to pretend that he was in a position that he wasn't. Yeah. Um, but I think the work that you're doing, even just within your own family, in terms of vocalizing it and standing strong, is so yeah. is so important. And that was such a such a journey for him. And I had to kind of say, you know, this can't be a secret between you and I. This has to be something that has 
be shared out more so but you know I wasn't in his position and I wasn't the one that was going through the change you know um Mm -hmm. and it can be very easy from the outside looking in so you know yeah I'm also got to think about his generation yeah his generation of them their mindset was very different to our generation and even the generation coming coming up you know, everybody more outspoken. So um, I, I do feel there's going to be a change, but there's still a lot of work to be done, you mm-hmm. know, because even people my age are um, a, a bit ignorant, you know. Mm-hmm. They're you know, I've come across people like, mm, something wrong with that. You know, now, I like when people say, Oh, are you sure if it's him or um patient? And and they want to know they they want to know what I'm going through. I like people that ask me questions. Mm. I not like people that sort of um we won't deal with her. She's had like that. You know, and you can see it all over their face. But it's about them being uncomfortable and exactly. that that's important. But one thing that I did want to say is that I think immediately when my dad found out that he had motor neuron disease like the reference point was always Stephen Hawking that was like the go-to yes exactly a very wealthy individual with like a lot of access to things that my dad didn't have great wealth and all of those things um and I think that was that was quite jarring and what Yvonne was saying about coming to the platform and not seeing like representation it's like okay Maybe he was able to, I don't know the ins and outs of every yeah. extension of luck and all of these things because of the position that he kind of occupied. And actually, it kind of, it was the thing that everyone would say every appointment that we would go to. Yeah. And it, I don't know if that was helpful or not. I think that's a really important point. And I think it's also why what you're doing and sharing your story, Yvonne, is so vital. You've taken the decision upon yourself to go and raise awareness because you didn't see yourself reflected when you were first diagnosed. And now that's going to prevent other people diagnosed with MND from feeling alone when they come to the MND Association as they'll see your face and hear your story. And Liv, you've assisted Yvonne with that through sharing her story through your newsletter, The Feels. Yvonne's doing the work. Yvonne's like taking up space in a way which is bad and speaking about what she needs to speak about. And so it wasn't me providing an opportunity I feel like she provided an opportunity for me to be able to share that in my platform and that's really powerful and really deep and so thank you very much. Well thank you for you know putting it out there as well because we have to also point out there's nothing to be ashamed of and when you said about your dad I know that feeling I was so ashamed and I'm like what what is you think back to how what you used to do, how you used to be, what you used to do with your friends, and and you know, will you be able to do that now? And you know, it's hard because I had all these plans, just finished my degree, I was going to change my career path, and that all changed, but. It's all changed, but I made it work for the good, you know. I'm not putting it, 
my situation and to some good to make it help people mm. understand and help people get through it. Mm. And I think you don't even realise the impact. Sorry, you know, it's huge. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. I wanted to ask you, Yvonne, like, where do you draw your strength from? Okay. Um, I, um, I have faith. And also, I'm that kind of person that I'm not going to sit down in my misery. And I'm not, I'm not taking it for granted that um, I'm that person because at the same time, I appreciate that not everybody is going to be able to deal with it in that way. It's not an easy thing mm. to deal with. And it's about making a choice. And for some people, it's not that easy. And I get it. It's not. But for me, I made a choice to get on with my life and live every day like it was my loss and just enjoy life. I, and I anything I want to do and they say that, can I do it? I don't care, I'm going to do it, you know. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm all about having fun, laughing, just enjoying life. And I'm not going to, and it makes you also want um, appreciate life. Life is precious, so appreciate it and make the most of it. So for me, I've got a lot of time to stay down and be depressed. I have my days, I do, but I quickly get back up and I'm right. I've had my cry, I've had my rant, and, and you know, and now it's time to get ready to go out and have some fun, or, you know, have to, I have to, I, there's no choice, I have to be this way. And they're not, like, I'm not showing off by anything, it's like, when I can't find any other way to deal with this, and that's the only way I have to deal with this wicked disease, is get on with it. Thank you for sharing. That's okay. Thank you, Yvonne. Um, Liv, I know that you've kind of written about your dad and some of the things you've kind of learned or experienced over the last couple of years, and I think... Have you found any any of what Yvonne has just said kind of resonating with you in your own journey with your dad? Oh, it's hard. I was like listening to some voice notes earlier that he had sent me and one where he was saying, you know, on a day when he was feeling particularly down and I wasn't with him and just saying, you know, he doesn't know if he's fighting enough. And so I think to hear you speak about that inner kind of fight and that resolve like he had to have that as well he like he had those moments where he wasn't where he wasn't certain and where he did just feel sad and where he was reflecting and of course it's a huge thing to come to terms with it's an impossibly huge thing to come to terms with um but he definitely he he went through his journey with like with humor and with some joy and like even when he couldn't hold his 
um, his Guinness, like I'd hold a Guinness with a straw so that he could have some Guinness and we'd sit and we'd have the Guinness in between. You know, you know what I mean? It was yeah. those little moments were important. Oh, yeah. A Google home so that he could say, hey, Google, play this country and Western song. And, and that like lit up his whole yes. life, you know. Yes. So, oh, my gosh, it was challenging. But even my mum and my auntie and everyone coming and visiting and my uncle and them just bussing jokes about all of the times and all of this stuff, mm-hmm. being young in Brixton. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know. um, from my dad, from when your dad was diagnosed, how long did you know, if not mind me asking? Of course. Um, so he'd, he'd been having issues with his hand for like some years, but we didn't mm-hmm. know was and then like in 2020 we were in and out of appointments but start of 2021 we kind of had a hint but start of 2021 it was the formal diagnosis and then he died um a year and three months later okay but he'd obviously been he had symptoms for quite a long time we just didn't know what it was because the Jamaican healthcare system were confused by okay in Jamaica in Jamaica, and then I bought him. The, he's got like dual citizenship, so I brought him over in um, the start of the pandemic to do more tests yeah. because they weren't understanding what it was. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing in the Caribbean, they're not very with it about this disease, and so it's a shame. But even now here too. I mean, thankfully, I had a good GP, but I was speaking to someone that um, their friend's father did not get diagnosed until he, he, um, he's now on the last support. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's like um, a postcard lottery, and I don't know whether it's because um, people from culturally um or a different ethnic background especially black people i don't know whether they were misunderstood when we go to the ep but he was back and forth you know and not a lot of eps i'm familiar with md surprisingly Mm. you know that i mean they wouldn't think um, some of them wouldn't think, oh, could be this, or oh, could be that. They just think, oh, you're suffering from, I don't know, high blood pressure and causing your body to reset. I don't know. But let me miss those it's too late. I think you make a really important point around like medical bias and who is seen to be like, we. There's been a lot of conversation around that with like pregnancy and black women, for example. So, yeah, of course, we know that there are certain groups of people who are less likely to be um, believed. And you don't like, there's not time to waste in these moments. Right. You need yeah. to get to the heart of it and like support people in living the best kind of version and quality of mm-hmm. quality of life. Exactly. I was going to say, did you know much about it before? Because I don't think mm-hmm. you didn't. I didn't. Mm. I didn't I knew about Stephen Hawkins mm. and to be honest, I knew they had that but I wasn't interested in it. And I just thought this man needs a hundred years with this, that's really good. 
But Heisenberg that is saying he was well um middle class there's the money could be the money that kept him guy for so long. You mm. know, we don't know. But I decided to find out more about it. And also um I you know, people of colour were so misrepresented. I didn't um I had to go and ask my um speech therapist naively. I said, Do black people get this? Is it me? She said, No, they do. Mm-hmm. I went on the, <laughs> I went online, tried to research black people and uh, only come up with um sisters from America. Mm-hmm. So I thought went back on the MD and I thought, no, this ain't right. You know, I think there's people out there all kind of with this horrible disease. And they probably feel ashamed or feel like they're not seeing the one that looks like them. So, you know, we have to make, MD um, Association has to make people with different backgrounds feel comfortable about coming forward and sharing and making them feel like we understand the cultural barriers and we understand, you know, because I didn't see any of that and, and you know, we need to do more. Thank you both so much for, I think you've made some really important points there. I'm going to come back to one of them, but I thought I would mention at this point some of the work that the MND Association has just embarked on. MND affects people from all backgrounds, um, and that's why one of the five promises that we've made to the MND community is that we will not rest until nobody faces MND alone. We need our services and our support to reach everyone with MND across England, Wales and Northern Ireland, regardless of their background. We want to support everyone. Um, The association has embarked on a community engagement project, which is working in different areas around the country to try and understand some of the barriers that people face, which a couple of these have been talked about today. Um, barriers to participation, our support, and so that we can gain a greater understanding of what different communities need and the cultural differences, so that we can start to understand the impact of health and social care inequalities. And hopefully this is going to help us design and re-engineer our services. There's a saying that there are hard to reach groups, but I think it's more beneficial to reframe that into hard to reach services rather than hard to reach people. But I also wanted to come back to something that you both started to kind of touch upon a little bit, which was health inequalities for black people um, and other sort of racially minoritized people. And I didn't know if either of you had experienced that, Yvonne personally, but lived through your dad. Had you kind of have any experience of health and social care inequalities? To be fair, um, when I first had a problem with my speech and I went to my GP and she said, let's really out a show. Let's really, really out. She said, I'm going to send you to um, the A&E and let them do um, a head scan. Was it a head scan? Oh no, my heart. Listen, 
for someone to do me that they've done that and that was it goodbye your heart's fine and and now when I look back you know I think if they can do what to do but well, you need to find out why your speech is like that. My, my, I went back to my GP and I said, oh, they said I'm fine. Yeah. And they said, you're home. And I said, yeah. No, no, no. So then they asked you about your, your speech. And I said, no. She said, no. If I... You need to take a day off, but I'll send you to a clinic and they're gonna give you a flower check. If she went like that, she would I would I don't know where I would end up. But I think when I went to Amy, they just wanted to get me out. Now, you know, you know, woman, you know, healthy, you know, ain't nothing wrong with your home. And I don't know if I was basically perfect, I don't know. But it makes me wonder. Yeah. But I was in one of like ones that I had a great GP, you know, but, you know. That makes a difference, doesn't it? And I think actually, like, I have to give a massive shout out to all of the nurses and carers and, like, people who really supported my dad. And those to be black women minority women doing the work hard intense work you know, yeah. people through really things. and that is actually really deep and really powerful I've got like quite a lot of aunties who are carers and nurses and things and some who supported in this and I just think you know that's really to be I just, I just feel very grateful that he was able to have that comfort and that support and um, it was a lot of Somali women who were who were caring for him in in the community, and we became close. And it felt yeah. like really like, like yeah, when I'm not there, that he's gonna be. And there's an amazing woman called Yaz, you know, who I just knew. I knew I felt relieved when they were the ones that were were there, and yeah. we were in this package together. It was like you just know that yeah. it. All of it, and they were going above and beyond. You, you know what I mean. Yeah. So I think it's really important to just say to express my gratitude to. to yes. Those. Mm. Of course. Yeah, and and just to add, my GP was an is an Asian lady, and mm. I don't know whether she, you know, it's just who she is. I was just lucky. Mm. Not everybody's gonna experience that kind of care and other than that everything's been great I'm blessed I mean everybody I've come in contact with is so supportive mm. that even down to my consultant she's so cool you know when this is real and then I oh you know I, I love it I can have a job with everyone in there and and that's it. We want to be is treated like a human being, not that. That's it. End of the world. Your yeah, life's over. Goodbye. No. You know, we're all fighting for something. No. Thank you, Yvonne. I think that really feeds into 
um, what you said at the beginning of the conversation around that, you know, you don't want to be defined by MND. You are Yvonne, first and foremost. You're living mm. with this condition, but it's it's not who you are. And mm. um, so thank you for that. And then kind of one of the, the other things that you were mentioning, both of you, that the only person that kept whose name kept cropping up with Steve, was Stephen Hawking. And I suppose relating that to some of the conversations around healthcare, if we look at kind of medicine books, historically, they've generally been, you know, body pictures of bodies of, of white men, which just doesn't kind of, you know, dis, uh, represent everybody. So um, I think that's really interesting. One of the other things that we've got going on at the moment is our Embrace Network Group for people from ethnic minorities and our Pride Network Group, which consists of and are open to people living with and affected by MND, volunteers, MND association staff and allies who come together to connect in a safe, supportive and welcoming environment. I think there's something really important about connecting with other people who are in these communities as well as the MND community because we can relate to people who are like us. So I wanted to mention that as well. I'm coming to probably one of my last questions now, I think. Um, and it's quite a big question, but from both of your perspectives, and I'll come to Yvonne first, um, what can the MND Association do differently to make things easier for underrepresented communities? Um, just show up. Show up in places like, I don't know, big, big organisations and workplaces, um, um, and offer courses for GPs, as silly as it might sound, we educate them in that area, you know, um, teach them to identify what, what um, is not um, emphasised is that MD comes in many different forms, right? So, like, someone looking at me, They'll be like, oh, you look fine, but the minute I open my mouth, they think I've had a stroke. Which is fair enough, I would think that too. But many people understand it comes in many forms and people, act, and people are affected by different mates. Some is very, you know, fast, some people have it mild, and it's a film people. Um, just get out there and show up in places where they expect. Everybody needs to be educated about this. There's so many people that do not know or understand. They've heard it, maybe, not have a clue uh, how you're affected. You know, so show up in, in GPs and surgeries, show up in um, organization and encourage employers to employ to employ people because uh, some people with MD are um, employable, you know, and make them feel like they're employable. Thank God, my employers are great, but not every employer is, so just show up everywhere. Yeah. Liv, you were writing Rosewater while your dad 
was living with MND. I wondered if any of the the story isn't about MND or your journey with um, sort of your dad's journey through that. But I wondered if any of the emotions and feelings that you were going through at that time have found their way into the book. Oh, definitely. I think as a writer, you draw on the experiences that you have. And this has been like the most challenging thing that I've ever been through. And it wasn't me physically embodying what that experience was but to lose a parent to lose a dad to go through all of that so I think there are moments in the book where there are those kind of themes not not tied to illness or anything like that but just tied to loss of place or people or things you know I think those were definitely things that I was drawing on and I really um I have a two book deal and the next book that I want to write I want to write more specifically about that it will be fiction but that kind of father-daughter relationship and what does it look like when you're navigating something that feels so huge and I really want that to be me honoring him you know and and in the back of this book the first the first bit in the acknowledgements is to my dad and to say to him um he probably wouldn't have read my book anyway it's a queer love story he would have been cringing but (laughs) But but he was very he was very proud and and like I I can only hope that I'll be able to, you know, just find ways to continue to honour him and to like tell his story in different kind of formats and ways and just allow that love that he showed me like to continue to find its way into the world, you know. Thank you. That was really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um there's one thing that I actually wanted to come back to, if you're both comfortable talking about this, because we've talked we've talked about some of the challenges around culture and MND. But I wondered if there were a couple of things that from your uh, cultures or your heritages that you really love and that make you who you are. Food. Oh, say that you know, food is number one. Number one. <laughs> We're vibrant people, like Caribbean people. We've been through things historically, generationally, and we've had to really like fight to to have our joy and to have the things that we need. That's why Avon is able to show up in the way that she does. Like it's there, you know, it's real. We're outspoken people. Mm. We like to be. And you said you asked about Jamaican barbers. No, what was the same? Mm. We can remember people, my island is smaller than Jamaica, Jamaica is mm. a big island, we eat, we both eat lovely food, the weather is hot the same way, uh, what else is there to say? I mean, uh, the only difference is we're a smaller island, that's all, mm. we all have the same, you know, kind of mindset, if you like. Thank you. Um, is there anything else that I haven't asked you about that you kind of wanted to get across throughout this conversation or that you've not had a chance to say yet? Only that I'm in the um, association. Keep plugging and keep um, encouraging more people from minority backgrounds and I love what you're doing anyway, Amity um, 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 Association. It's amazing what I see on the platform. I just would like to see more people of colour and different ethnic background. I would love to see Because I want, I, it hurts me to know there's people out there 
don't want to come forward and don't want to talk about what they're going through, you know, and our heads to know that they're suffering in, in you know, deep depression along with, with this. It's so sad. Um, Yvonne, you really are bringing about change. All of these things that we've touched upon, by you sharing your story with the association, with the world, with Liv's newsletter, you're really helping us to try and bring that change around, but you're, you're really doing all of that yourself as well. So we are hugely, hugely grateful to you. Um, you've also informed some huge tech giants on their products as well. And I wondered, while we've got a little bit of time, I wondered what that kind of means to you as a person of colour, but also just a person with MND to inform those huge tech giants on their work. That's something that I feel good about because um, those huge tech giants that you're talking about, a lot of huge um, organisations use them. So they too will be educated, you know. And when I, when I talk about not seeing people of colour and I'm not concerned about anyone out there that is suffering alone. I'm not just saying people of colour, anyone, because everyone who has this disease is going through something painful. So I just wanted to point out that I don't see people that look like me coming forward. And I wouldn't let anyone that is not of colour to feel that they couldn't approach me, because they can, because we're all in this together. And, you know, no matter what colour we are, we're uh, experiencing the same kind of experience. Thank you. And um, I want to mention at this point, um, this episode has shared the experience of two black women of Caribbean heritage, but we would love to hear the stories of people from all backgrounds, all communities, that's including the challenges that you faced. Um, and we really want to find out how the association can do more to support you. So if you're listening to this episode and you want to share your story with us, please do on communications at mndassociation.org. I think that might bring me to the end of this conversation, unless you, either of you have anything else that you want to add. If not, it's been hugely, hugely important uh, conversation to have, really interesting. And thank you both so much for your time and openness in starting up this conversation. It's a conversation that I really hope is going to continue now. Um, and yeah, thank you both for putting yourselves out there, for coming forward to share your stories with the association, with the world. Um, as I say, it's very, very important. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to MND Matters, a podcast from the MND Association. Find more information at mndassociation.org. And if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, contact our helpline MND Connect on 0808 802 6262 or email mndconnect at mndassociation.org.